You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. John puts it very simply this way. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Every sickness, every disease, every demonic possession, etc., etc., are the result of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus' healing ministry and his miracles and the casting out of demons shows his supremacy over the king and the kingdom of darkness. That's why he healed everybody that came to him. Now here's some real good news. Oh, man. The kingdom of God is going to come to earth one day. During the three years that Jesus ministered, he healed the sick, made the lame to walk, and caused the blind to see. He restored hearts and cast out demons. He tore down the law that was separating people from actually seeing the heart of God, and he rose from the dead. In today's message with Pastor Danny, you'll learn that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. He came to defeat the darkness and bring God's children home. Have you ever heard of a more powerful and moving truth? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts chapter 28 as he continues his message, The Kingdom of God. There's a verse, Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. They ask him, where is the kingdom? He said, you can't see the kingdom uh, visibly now. So he's not talking about the future coming of the kingdom, which we'll get to. But he says, the kingdom of God is within you. And the best I can get from Greek scholars and translators is he's saying the kingdom of God is in your midst, suggesting he is here. He was here. And so there is a sense the kingdom of God is within you. But I want to be much more technical. I thought about it, read so many verses, spent a lot of time, and as I thought about it from time to time, hour after hour, I tried to get the most simple definition I can of what is the kingdom of God. And here's what I came down with. It's a place where God reigns supreme and Christ is king. Where God reigns supreme and Christ is king. John sees Christ in his second coming, and what he sees, he sees On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Pretty much every day of my Christian life. Now, have I missed some? Probably so, but I'm pretty consistent with it. Pretty consistent. I pray the Lord's Prayer. Pretty much one of the first things I do in the morning. And it includes, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I like to say it in the old King James. I just like that. It just sounds so good. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can't wait for that part of that prayer to be answered completely. Here's my next question. Where is the kingdom of God? Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. It's from another place. 
Acts chapter one, resurrection. He appears to his disciples over a period of 40 days. He speaks about the kingdom of God. And then as his disciples are watching, he begins to be ascending. He ascends up into heaven. A cloud finally envelops him and they can't see him anymore. He's headed up. Some angels come and kind of nudge these disciples and say, why are you standing gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who has gone into heaven will so come in like manner. Some people believe that heaven is just another dimension. It's actually not far from us. Based on many biblical verses, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. I'm not saying there's not a spiritual realm that we can't see into around us. But the kingdom of God is not somewhere close by we just can't see it. No. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, John the Apostle, let me just read it. After this I looked, there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, seated on them 24 elders. Then you get to chapter 5, and you have John looking and seeing the lamb, the lamb, that's Jesus. And guess where he's, he's standing in the center of the throne. He's the centerpiece in the throne room. What are the characteristics of the kingdom? It's not an exhaustive list, but first one we've just seen, that's where God's throne is. I can't wait to see an angel. I've been asking the Lord from time to time to see one here and now, but up to this point, he hadn't let me see one. And you think about it, and I, I am, I've told you before, I'm thankful, I guess, for that, because, you know, you find record of those who have seen an angel, like Daniel. Daniel saw an angel, came and appeared to him, brought him an answer to his prayer, Guess what he did when he saw the angel? He fainted. He fell down as though dead. So maybe it would be better in the new body <laughs> to see an angel. But Revelation chapter 5, so cool. Verse 11, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne of the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. They're giving praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords. The capital of the kingdom is Jerusalem, but it's not the Jerusalem in Israel. Galatians 4.23, Paul says, there's a Jerusalem that's above. John sees this heavenly city in Revelation 21. And it's coming down from heaven to earth. Paul the Apostle gives testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that he was caught up, whether in the body, he says, or out of the body, I don't know. But he was caught up to the third heaven, and he saw inexpressible things. He calls it the third heaven, and then he refers to it as, I was caught up to paradise paradise. Thief on the cross. There were two. One, over time, yielded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit about his sin and about Jesus as the Savior. And he speaks to Jesus from his cross to Jesus on his cross. We have the record. 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The kingdom of God is in the third heaven. It's far above. It's a real place. It's a real world. I asked my wife something she'd never had this question before. In this place, a real place, the third heaven, paradise, the kingdom of God, you have two people that never died on earth who were there, Enoch and Elijah. And I said, they're in their natural bodies, so the atmosphere must be like it is here on earth. Either that or God did a miracle or they have their new bodies. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer. But it's a real place. And there are two people there that never died, Enoch and Elijah. I'm envious. (laughs) By the way, paradise, here's what it is. It's ecstasy, bliss, nirvana, utopia, heaven. That's why Paul could write in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, I have this desire to depart and be with Christ which is better by far. And it's almost like God's given him a choice at that period in his life. He said, but I know it's more needful for me to remain. And so he remained for a while and then he bore more fruit for the kingdom of God. But he said, it would be better for me to be with Christ. Better by far. Why? Because he's already gotten a glimpse of paradise. He was caught up there. He saw it. Then he had to come back down here. He would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that We have an earthly tent that we dwell in and we groan and we're burdened in this earthly tent. Can I get a witness there? And we long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. And he closes it in verse eight and he says, we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Why? Because it's paradise. Nobody who's there wants to come back. Now I gotta pause and take just a couple of minutes And a point that I spend a lot of time on that I'm not intending to spend a lot of time on here. But in my study, I spend a lot of time on it. Because it's mysterious in some ways. To me. And not just to me. There is a conflict between these two kingdoms. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There's a conflict. Not only on earth, but in the heavenlies. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But there's a warfare going on in the heavenlies. Daniel chapter 10, he prays. He doesn't understand what God's given him in this vision, this prophetic vision. And he prays and he fasts. 21 days later after he started praying. He'd been praying for three weeks. No answer. Three weeks later, an angel appears. And he says, from the first day that you set your heart to understand. In other words, from the first day you started praying, I was sent. So first day he starts praying, heaven dispatches an angel in answer to his prayer. But the angel says to him, I was detained for 21 days by the prince of the Persian kingdom. That's ancient Persia, modern-day Iraq, and modern-day Iraq is still under the rule of the kingdom of darkness. I was detained by the prince of the Persian kingdom, and God had to send a higher-ranking good angel to get this other angel through. It's a conflict. Sometimes mysterious. Nobody ever saw the cross. The disciples were baffled, bewildered, depressed when Jesus died on the cross. Even though he told them ahead of time. Even though it was prophesied in several scriptures in the Old Testament. Jesus said to Pilate, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from heaven. They came to arrest Jesus. The Garden of Gethsemane. They come out with swords and clubs. And torches. 
And Jesus said when they come to arrest him, I was daily with you in the temple courts, daily with you in the temple courts. Am I leading a rebellion that you would come out to me with swords and clubs? I was daily with you in the temple courts. Why didn't you come and get me during the daytime in a public place? They come under the cover of darkness. And you know what he said? He said, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is your hour when darkness reigns. And the kingdom of darkness, I mean, just like in the fictional movie that has so many biblical principles, Lord of the Rings, the kingdom of darkness, they thought we've got the victory. They put Jesus, the son of God on the cross. And it's interesting to me from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. as Jesus hung on that cross, here's what the Bible tells us. Darkness came over the land. But little did the kingdom of darkness know that that hour when darkness reigned, only by the Father's will secured the eternal fate of all those in the kingdom of darkness and the eternal salvation for all those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus the Savior who died for the sins of man. John 12, 46, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Romans 13, 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. During the period yet future known as the Great Tribulation, Revelation 16, 10 tells us when the fifth angel during this time pours out his bowl of wrath on the throne of the beast or the throne of the Antichrist, it says, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness because he's part of the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God invaded the earth through Jesus. John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew chapter four, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. All people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demons possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Matthew 12, 28, they accuse Jesus of driving out Satan by Satan. They say, you're demon possessed. You drive out Satan by Beelzebub or demons by Beelzebub. <laughs> he says in verse 27, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? He said, if Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? Kingdom divided against itself will not stand. But if by the Spirit of God I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. John puts it very simply this way. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Every sickness, every disease, every demonic possession, etc., etc., are the result of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus' healing ministry and his miracles and the casting out of demons shows his supremacy over the king and the kingdom of darkness. That's why he healed everybody. That came to him. Now here's some real good news. Oh man, the kingdom of God is going to come to earth one day. 
We have occasional witnesses of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom. I don't understand why everybody's not healed now through the prayers of the saints. That's mysterious to me, but it happens sometimes. Sometimes God does a miraculous thing to show that he's sovereign over the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of darkness. There was one in our text in Acts. Did you catch it? You didn't catch it? The viper, the viper that comes out and latches onto Paul's hand and he shakes it off. And he suffers no ill effects because he's a child of the king. And God chose at that moment to show that he's supreme. The coming kingdom begins with what's called the millennial reign or the thousand year reign of Christ. But when Christ comes and begins to reign in the millennial kingdom, it's not a fulfillment completely. And it's not a complete answer to that section of the Lord's prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Why? Because it says of the increase of his government in that day and peace, there'll be no end. Of the increase. It's a gradual thing. Zechariah chapter 14 tells us that in that day when Christ is king, some will rebel against his rule and they will have to suffer the consequences. Unbelievers will go through the great tribulation, the seven year period yet future, but coming soon, I believe. Zechariah 14 says survivors, survivors of the nations that have attacked Jerusalem. That happens at the end of the tribulation period. They go into the thousand-year reign of Christ. Zechariah says the Lord will be the king over the whole earth. On that day, there'll be one Lord and his name, the only name. Begins right after this great tribulation period. And I don't have the time to go to these scriptures. We're going to do some more next week. Seventh angel in the tribulation period sounds his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Great tribulation culminates in allied nations coming against Jerusalem. So as you see and hear more of nations wanting to wipe Israel off the map, you know we're getting closer to the great tribulation. Okay? After the thousand-year reign, there's one final rebellion. Satan is loose from a place called the abyss. He goes out to deceive the world again of unbelievers who have seen Christ and his rule over a thousand years, and the earth gets better and better and better and better, and yet one more final rebellion against the king. It ends as quickly as it begins, and the sword out of the uh, rider on the horse, Jesus, out of his mouth, slays the rebels, and then we go from there into the final judgment, the final judgment, Revelation 20, called the great white throne judgment, and all whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into what's called the lake of fire. It's at this point that Jesus, according to 1 Corinthians, and I'll give you the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24 to 26, he hands over the kingdom to the Father, all right? And at that point, the Father now creates new heavens and a new earth. And it tells us there in Revelation 21, as John sees these new heavens and new earth, God says, I'm making everything new. And he tells John, write this down because these words are trustworthy and true. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or crying or mourning or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Hosea prophesies that I'll deliver this people from the power of the grave. I'll redeem them from death. Isaiah prophesied he'll swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. Paul takes from this prophecy and in 1 Corinthians he writes, death has been swallowed up in victory. Isaiah, fascinating prophecy about the new heavens and the new earth. God says, I'll create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. 
That cannot be the wiping out of our memory. If God were to wipe out our memory when we're going into the new heavens and the new earth, we would not recognize Jesus as our Messiah. We wouldn't know how we got there. We wouldn't understand why you got scars on your hands. Because the scars are going to be there, as I understand the Bible, for the rest of eternity. Always reminding us that he is our Savior, our Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. So why will the former things not be remembered? Anybody ever have a really, really, really good vacation? I mean, really good, really good. A few of us. <laughs> I've had some really good vacations. I've had some really bad ones. But on the really good ones, there are those moments on those vacations. There are those moments, however fleeting they have been, where I forget all my troubles. I forget everything that's going on back home. I forget all the problems back at Calvary Chapel and what I've got to come back to. <laughs> when the kingdom came, the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, what did Peter say? Let's just build three houses. Let's just stay here. He forgot his wife. He forgot his kids, which sometimes is easy to do depending on your family. <laughs> we don't want to do anyway. Why? Because he's in glory. He's in glory. I got to close it. We're going to continue next week, though. Jesus is the key to the kingdom. Jesus said to Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Catholic Church says that's when Jesus made Peter Pope. Not what it is. Not at all. The context of this is he has his disciples up in northern Israel, Caesarea Philippi. He says to them, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets come back from the dead. Who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh has not revealed this to you, but my father has revealed this to you. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. One more point and I'm done. Till next week. You know you can get a taste of the kingdom here and now? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The context of that scripture is for Christians not to think of themselves as the most important, but to think of others as more important, and especially other believers. And as we think of others more important than ourselves in the church, what is there? Well, we live right, we have peace, and we have joy. Jesus was the most joyous person that ever visited the planet. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 from Psalm 45 about the Messiah. You've anointed him with the oil of joy. Here's the bottom line. The more Christ rules and reigns in my life, in your life, here and now, the more we taste of the goodness of the kingdom of God. The more I let Christ be on the throne of my life, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love what C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in with it. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. From the Apostle Paul's conversion until his death, it was his first priority to teach and tell people about the Kingdom of God. Is this on your radar as you go about your daily life? Pastor Danny has been teaching through a series called The Kingdom of God. Now, this may seem removed from the here and now, but Pastor Danny wants you to understand how thinking about God's Kingdom can affect your life right now. It also gives you a lot to look forward to in the life to come if you're a follower of Christ. Keep tuning in to this series about God's Kingdom and we hope you'll learn some great things that are revealed in God's Word. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're always in need of His guidance. So please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thanks so much for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Or you can join us online if you can't make it in person. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again to hear more messages from this series right here on The Living Word.